0: This quarter isn't shaping up to be necessarily a good quarter. Many are seeing recession. I don't see a way to avoid it. Uh, Just to put a face on this, we all see what's going on with interest rates. You know, 356 in a two year. Just think about this. On March 8th, it closed at 507. The high yield closed, that was the highest since 2007. Now we're at the lowest yields since September, 10 year. And we did the charts, what, a month ago? And about five months ago? I stake my claim here. Four and a quarter is the high. It was the high back in October. We never came back and challenged those fall levels. You remember, Joe, we did the Elliott wave count. It was clearly the high yield close. But Man, look at how far we've fallen there. Is this really a banking crisis? Joe, you know what it is. It's a Fed crisis. It's a rate hiking crisis. It's a crisis built on a crisis we never solved. And now we have walkbacks, takebacks, Treasury secretaries changing their mind. Is it any wonder there's all this volatility in the markets? Back to you. Our national wonders are literally the envy of the world. They've always been. They always will be, as central to our heritage as a people and essential to our identity as a nation. I'm proud to use my authority under the Antiquities Act to establish the, and I, I want you to know it's a big deal, the uh, uh, Havaniqua May. I, I'm, I'm having okay. trouble. Thank you. I got it. <laughs> it's one of our most beautiful landscapes. And it ties together one of the largest contiguous wildlife corridors in the United States. Look, second thing we're doing is we're protecting the Kastner Range in Texas as a national monument. This is managed by the United States Army at Fort Bliss and it tells the story of the tribal nations who live there
1: and the members of our armed forces who trained in those lands. It's also a place of incredible beauty.
0: We want every American child to have access to pristine outdoor spaces. When young Americans experience the breathtaking beauty of the Grand Canyon, when their eyes widen in amazement as old faithful burst into the sky, when they gaze upon Yosemite's Yosemites' towering sequoias, their love of country grows stronger and they know that every American has truly a duty to preserve this wondrous inheritance. Between running a small business and helping with homework, life gets pretty busy. But I always try to find time to cook for our family. It's about bringing the right ingredients together. Like I've brought Democrats, Republicans, and Independents together. To create good paying jobs by helping small businesses. As governor, I'm going to lift up hardworking people. And bring everyone to the table. That's how we serve Georgia families. Let's eat. The gas stoves that would be impacted are high impact, high, excuse me, high end gas stoves for the you know, the more, most expensive gas stoves. And the reason why they were, uh, they were found to be inadequate is because, in many cases, they have very heavy grates, and the burners can be an oval shape, which causes uh, an excess amount of natural gas to be emitted relative to the pot that's on there. So it's just it's, it's a wasteful uh, use of natural gas.
2: Protesters in France are continuing to clash with police following President Emmanuel Macron's plan to raise the pension age from 62 to 64. Rioters actually set fire to the town hall building in Bordeaux. Protesters blocked major
0: highways and interchanges to slow traffic around big cities, and rail transportation was disrupted across the country. Opinion polls show a majority of voters oppose the pension legislation, which the government enacted last week, without a vote in parliament. You guys are so good, you guys
2: are so good. You played hard, you played to the very last second. You made all us Bisons so, so proud. You
0: hustled out there, you are smart, you are disciplined. You put everything you had into the game. And you know that's what it's about,
2: right? Until the last minute. You guys did that. You didn't stop until the last second and you did not stop. And that is so inspiring. So you keep playing with chin up and shoulders
0: back because you showed the world who bison are, right? I mean, you, literally what you have done is in historic proportion. The inches we need are everywhere around us. They're in every break of the game, every minute, every second. On this team, we fight for that inch. On this team, we tear ourselves and everyone else around us to pieces for that inch. We claw with our fingernails for that inch. When we add up all those inches, that's going to make the f- difference between winning and losing, yeah. between living and dying.
2: Can you tell me if you have an opinion on what the IRS's reputation is amongst the country? Have you done any polling or anything like that to see what what
0: generally taxpayers think, middle, wealthy people, bottom bottom, I mean, are, are they... They kind of like the National Park Service? Are they a little different? What, what do you think their impression is?
2: Well, it's extremely negative because the IRS has been s- starved for resources. And so they are so insufficient. What you would, I, I don't people. mean to cut
0: you off, but I've got even less time
2: than the, than the ranking member does. So you think it's resource related that they have? Absolutely. Have a bad reputation. It's nothing to do with historical
0: culture in the agency or anything like that.
1: The, the agency has been
2: resource-starved.
0: How about the twenty bucks you owe me? Oh yeah? Well, I only got ten, so here's ten and I owe you ten. Thanks. Hey Mo, you owe me twenty. Well, here's ten, and I'll owe you ten. Uh-uh. You owe me twenty. Here's ten, I owe you ten. Here's the ten I owe you.
2: Here's the ten I owe you. Here's the ten I owe you. Good. Well, now we're all even. And welcome back, listeners, to the unregulated podcast. This is episode number one hundred and twenty. Five Here on Friday, March 24th in the year of our Lord We are a little bit late this week Apologize to all our fans and listeners But we promised we'd get you one and we're gonna get it out the door So, how's it going, my co-host Mike McKenna?
1: It's going sparky, how's it going with you?
2: Uh, it's been a week I'll say that it's been a week So
1: I know the feeling
2: Our friend at CNBC, Rick Santelli yeah says this isn't a this is a fed crisis this is this is all this is all just everyone's just playing catch-up mistakes were made government spent a lot of money feds trying to chase that inflation down Uh, all these banks made these bad bets what's your take on all that do you do you agree with our friend and if not where, where do you disagree
1: i i i I agree with I agree with everything the 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 real problem is is that the banks didn't adjust to the higher interest rate environment and so there's a lot of red on the board and it's just a matter of time until you have more bank runs um, excuse me failures we don't have we don't call them runs anymore now we now we do it in the shadows instead of like out in the open um, you know it it's um it's kind of shocking how badly some banks are managed. You know, and it doesn't seem to matter size either. I was like, ah, oh, the regional banks are, you know, the risky ones. I'm like, yeah, I'm not sure that's true because you know you're looking at Credit Suisse and Deutsche Bank. Silicon Valley's the sixteenth, was the sixteenth largest bank in the country. I'm like, there, there seems to be a lot of incompetence sprinkled among the banking community. How about if we just say it that way?
2: Yeah. Well, I also think that again, if there are no consequences to your actions because you're too big, quote unquote, to fail or to too important to not uh you know get bailed out then where is the accountability uh it doesn't exist
1: yeah well i mean you know the the um the other thing is the root cause of this is i hate to i hate to be that guy but the root cause of this is the federal government monkeying with the economy first injecting six trillion dollars and then deciding whoops that's too much and now raise any interest rates i i blame the bankers for not being quick but I blame the federal government for being careless. Maybe we should say it so, that way. So uh,
2: Uncle Milty, Milton Friedman, had a uh, – uh, I'm paraphrasing here, but uh, he had a comparison of alcoholism to inflation. They both <laughs> – the good stuff occurs right away when you start doing it. Yeah. The, the printing of the money and the consuming of the woo! various alcoholic beverages. woo We're drunk! <laughs> But when you go to quit either of them, the hard stuff is front-loaded. Uh, and that's kind of what we're experiencing right now, I yeah. guess.
1: So. Yeah. And, and I, I mean, I, I never thought these words would pass my lips because I don't really care for the guy. But but um, Jerry Powell's right, right? He's on the right track. He needs to stay on course because however bad these bank failures are, long-term inflation is a much, much bigger problem. So Well, it just
2: eats away at, at- – everything. It hurts hurts middle class poor people fixed. I mean, it hurts people. Uh, They just just rips away at your purchasing power, right? And on the, you know, people who live on the margins, they don't have a lot of margin. And so I I, I actually do agree. It's it's painful on the way. Uh, I'm blessed and and I've been blessed uh, uh, to be able to absorb some of this without, you know, significant pain, but Others don't have that luxury, so uh, it's just bad decision after bad decision, and yet the government wants to tell us how to run our lives, what kind of cars we want to drive, et cetera. So speaking of energy, um, so I guess we see the consequences of the approval of a modest-size oil development in the area designated by Congress to – actually produce oil i'm referring to the approval of the willow project sure and our penance now is in addition to locking up uh millions of acres 16 in the area in alaska that is designed for this kind of stuff now we are also seeing the uh, monument designations uh you know to follow so you've got the one that president biden couldn't pronounce (laughs) he was so proud of his uh designation of the ava i don't even know how to pronounce it quite frankly but as someone pointed out if you're having a press conference to tout the designation of a monument you ought to Got to be staffed up pretty well to figure out how to pronounce. You might want to run it through your lips a few times before you're out there speaking.
1: Yeah, see if any of it works. Yeah, it, 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 um, whatever. You know, I've always been, I've always had some concerns about these monument designations because, yeah, they're, they're, they may be the only thing in the United States government that I've ever heard of that can't be reversed. And, and I'm like, that can't possibly be right.
2: Well, it, it hasn't been reversed. And, the boss tried to do, uh, tried to take a big uh, reverse step on some of these, and um, I know it was winding its way through the the legal process. But a one hundred percent, this was designed originally to be able to for the president to move quickly to clean up a little area here and there, right? To to lock something down, like if it was eminent, like you know, small plots of land. This started with Bill Clinton, with President Clinton, and somebody advised him to to start using this thing in a big way. And they've used it to ostensibly to preserve some areas, but also to actually overlay a designation into areas where they don't want development. So that's my point in the long run. The Willow project is probably a good thing, but uh, I'm sorry, in the short run, but in the long run, we're paying a heavy price for it. Yeah. And we we need to, one, Congress needs to reestablish what the NPRA is and what it's for. And two, they need to they need to address the Antiquities Act. Yeah, see, and that you know this, that's the underlying statute that that allows for these designations, folks. Right. So. And 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 as as
1: you know, this is our second. You know, we we ourselves are putting together a transition plan for the Energy and Interior vertical um, for the next president, next Republican president. Right. Last week we talked about Alaska and what needs to change there. This week we can we need, we, we add the Antiquities Act. We need to we need to make some some fundamental changes to the Antiquities Act.
2: So for for the approval of the No Brainer Willow project, a few hundred thousand barrels a day, we've locked up the the size of West Virginia in uh, Alaska, and now we've locked up five hundred thousand acres um, in Southern Nevada, and also um, several hundred thousand thousand acres in in texas uh as well so hell of a price to pay for a small oil and gas project
1: yeah i'm very glad i'm very glad um conoco got their thing but yikes i'm kind of with you that's a that's a heavy price and you know the the great thing is you know the administration I, i i think i don't think much of like their 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 blocking and tackling work but this thing's been really skillful they managed to punch, punch a hole in the, in the Republicans. Hey, he's never in favor of oil and gas. Um, and they managed to throw a bunch of stuff to their left wing at the same time. It's, it's, been, it's been well done. I give him full credit. I don't know who narrows the brain. Maybe it's Ali Zahdi, but but somebody, somebody's done a good job with it.
2: Yeah. Well, and, and, and in fairness, uh, President Trump, had a, when he made his big green announcement, he had a little trouble uh, pronouncing <laughs> Yosemite. Uh, Yosemite. Yosemite. Yosemite.
1: Come on. Okay, tell me truthfully. Has anybody <laughs> in this country not pronounced it Yosemite at some point?
2: Okay, well, here's the thing. Both of these guys, that it's hard for me to believe that either of these guys really cared about the announcement they were making on those particular days that they made them. But, hey, that's just the cynic in me. I don't know. So, um. Stacey Abrams, that was an ad when she was running for governor. And, of course, you can't see the ad, but we'll put it in the show notes. Stacey Abrams has been uh, invited to become um, a fixture in an organization called Rewiring America. And said organization is basically uh, exist to ban gas stoves. OK, that's that's sort of like the the, the overarching focus of this thing. Uh, in addition to getting the government to subsidize billions of dollars for transmission and everything else, it's run by a bunch of dudes who, by the way, also have a lot of companies who stand to be the recipient of some of these subsidies and, and these other mandates. Um, I'm shocked. Yeah. Stacey Abrams is cooking on a gas stove in her ads. Yeah,
1: it so, looks good by the way. It looks like it looks like a tasty, tasty thing going on there. It's a really nice looking place too. Yeah, I, so, I was gonna say if that's her actual house, she's living large. I look man.
2: forward to her press announcement that she will be removing the gas stove and she will be replacing it with one of her um uh one of her precious um yeah. You know, she's, uh,
1: se- she's gonna she's gonna sell the can- she's gonna sell the gas stove to uh, to finance her election challenges.
2: Yeah. So anyways, uh, more on this this rewiring America next week. We'll have a little expose on them uh producer remind me to to bring that up secretary Jenny uh was explaining to Congress what stove she really meant uh when she said that they weren't gonna actually be banning stoves, but I guess they might be banning some stoves, or maybe not. I don't know. I think political told us that that we were um. Uh, engaging in conspiracy theories about banning gas stoves, but but set that aside. The larger point here is is, is when you listen to that clip. Is this really what we we want the Secretary of Energy to be doing? Seriously, really, like, is, it, have we become so ridiculous, familiar, like like for, accustomed to the federal government? Getting involved in the minutia of our lives to the level of the type of burner that she's referring to on the stoves that are bad for us. Yeah, it. it I can remember
1: a time when the federal government didn't care about stuff like this. It wasn't that long <laughs> ago, Jeez, and, and the country yeah. was a better place. I'm like, who in the world cares about this stuff? I, I whatever, you know. And then, and like you say, it's important enough to them they got to lie about it.
2: I'm just like, what in the hell is wrong with you people? Yeah, insane. So, anyways, they're coming for your stoves. New York's already uh, got some regulations in the books, so I guess we were just a little, we were just being hysterical when. I mean, when
1: we aren't we being hysterical, but the good news is Stacey Abrams is on our side, so we're set.
2: Uh, I mean, she clearly has to like, she has to issue some kind of a statement about. Gas stove. So, um, well, look at right. it. Look, um, look at it this
1: way. I think from now on, every reporter, if I was a reporter out there, anytime one of these people wandered off into climate change or energy, I'd just be like, "What kind of stove do you have at home?"
2: The, the thing is, is the only one's going to do
1: that is Peter Doocy right? Oh, well, I don't know. I think a lot of the I think a lot of the legacy guys will just because it's an interesting question, right? To be like, "Well, a gas stove, you- but I feel guilty about it," right?
2: Yeah. 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 Then so it, I always whenever I'm at like events and stuff where I'm speaking, I, I sometimes ask people because you, you talk about like, uh, you know, well we're replacing all these appliances because they're more efficient. And you know, we need to do that to save the planet, you got to do more with less and these new these new things are, you know, just so much more energy efficient. How many people I always ask how many of you have bought a refrigerator, a new refrigerator in the last say five years? And, you know, you invariably get a few hands up. You know, sure. so, so how many of you disposed of your old refrigerator? No hands go up. Yeah, <laughs> everybody kept it. Because I... where do they put their old fridge?
1: That's In the still garage. Works? In the garage. In the garage. Same the as everybody basement, else.
2: Right in a closet. Yeah, same as everybody so else. It, 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 we're it. not actually reducing any our electricity bill. We're actually increasing our electricity all bill right, with all our all right. refrigerator. refrigerators. How many so. fridges you got? I have one fridge that's running right now and an extra freezer at the moment. What about a wine oh, I'm sorry. I re- I re- correction, I have two because I have one in the in the basement. So,
1: so two fridges and a freezer. Yes, sir. And a wine cooler? Oh, yes, I have a wine fridge. Too. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot
2: about
1: that. <laughs> Don't think I've forgotten this stuff. <laughs> oh, shoot.
2: Uh, <laughs> sorry. So they really know how to protest in France, my man. I mean, this is some epic stuff. It's, right you remember we had the yellow vests which were awesome like we were having fun with that because they were actually up in arms over uh um EU stuff and then also yeah this, Mr macron tried to impose a, a carbon tax on them yeah this is actually more now this they more to important raised the retirement age from 62 to 64. I love the ladies dry reporting of this right oh well, yeah they burned down a, a government building in bordeaux and <laughs> and you it, know it's, it's the trash
1: it's the trash that's ultimately going to overwhelm everybody that's the you know that's the real that's what really hurts the trash guys going out on strike hell yeah if it was anybody but but uh, senior macaroon i'd feel bad but i'm just like you know there's there's some justice out there in the world not much but some
2: yeah yeah all right um coach kamala <laughs> you really gave a hell of a pep talk to her Alma mater. After they lost their uh, their game in the in the tournament, you know, so.
1: you know, like the last two sentences weren't bad, but like the wandering into it was just like God <laughs> Almighty. Look, like hey, you fought hard, you played well, you did your best. You have nothing to be ashamed of. Howard's proud of you. I'm proud of you. The alumni are proud of you. That's it. Get out. I mean, but that Thanks, whole coach. that whole wandering around, like. You
0: guys are so
2: good. You're so good. You played hard. <laughs> you played God. to the very last second. God you Almighty! Made all of us bison, so so proud. Uh. You hustled out there. You're smart. You're. Just, it's like they don't need. They. I don't think they need all that.
1: No. It, these are these are grown people. She's talking to. You
2: work hard. You are powerful. You are winners. Uh, so well, please
0: know that.
2: Not today. Uh, Etc. So, National Review wrote a piece, Coach Kamla's cringe catastrophe, and uh, the line that I I I've enjoyed a lot was, "This is just not another politician trying and spectacularly failing to show an affinity for sports. It's some weapons-grade cringe." <laughs> Howard University's basketball team may take months to recover. From exposure to it. Teams in the vicinity likely had their motivations reduced in the fallout. True. I have to be honest with you. They had the
1: same vibe. I was like, man, if I got that in a locker room afterwards, I'd just be like, shut up. All right.
2: And, of course, we had to give you a clip from uh, a truly inspirational, motivational sports speech from uh, our good friend Al Pacino in one of the best movies, one of the best sports movies, I think, any given Sunday. So, it's
1: the difference between living and dying
2: on this tee. We claw for that inch. Uh, apparently, the issue with the IRS is not that the, it is the IRS, but it is that they have been cash starved for so many years that. Um, the public just has a negative opinion about them that is our our treasury secretary's opinion. Yeah let say you Mike What yeah, say you about the IRS it, reputation. If you
1: gave them another 80 billion dollars I'm sure that it'd improve their reputation enormously. You know the funny thing is
2: and hire 87,000 agents to audit you even crazy. more thoroughly.
1: You know the the, the thing is and this isn't this is important I I that bet the I'm willing to bet some significant amount of money that um, the IRS has, in fact, done survey work out in the public, right? There is some data somewhere. You know, they, they've they've captured it at at um, IRS offices or online or something. There's some kind of feedback mechanism. They know. And the secretary said they didn't know. You know, if I was – I don't know who asked that question. But if I was at senator or member's office, I would go back and say, you know what? I'm pretty sure you do have some stuff. Why don't you take another look and just send me what you got in writing? Um, yeah. Because you – it – whatever. I mean, you know, whoever asked the question, they knew what the answer was. Um, Just
0: give us more
2: money, Congressman. And, I can't and, believe – see, that's what I, – I can't believe she came back with that
1: answer. Well, we're under – you know, we, we couldn't afford surveys because we didn't have enough money. I'm like, it, what? Are you out of your mind? It was – The cash-starved
2: IRS, it, ladies and gentlemen. I yeah 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 yeah. Y- Alright, so the last clip was from our good friends Larry, Moe and Curly. And uh, the, the Twitter uh, uh, the tweet where I got that from, the guy said, quote, This if you're having trouble understanding the banking system, watch this. <laughs> so I thought it was pretty funny. Yeah. It's anyway. Um, it's only fun, All right, it's only uh, funny
1: to your bank fails.
2: Yeah, exactly. Uh, well, I assure you, I'll never have more than two hundred fifty thousand dollars in any one given account. So, yeah. Um. All right. Announcements. What do you have?
1: Um. Uh, I have one announcement. Um. Yeah, I think it's an announcement. It doesn't rise to the level of of um of a topic. Um, a friend of mine went to the Center for Strategic and International Studies this week. And Ali Zaidi was um, doing a presentation there. And my friend was surprised that he was protested by climate protesters about the Willow thing. At which point I said, I'm willing to suspect and maybe even bet that that was staged. They knew he was coming. You know, they they, they set it up. It's the right place. It's kind of controlled. You know, they, they probably because the protesters were all well-dressed, looked normal. Um it 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 was staged, to which my friend replied that I was deeply cynical. True, but not inaccurate.
2: Uh, yeah, I agree with you one hundred percent, and i I wouldn't even, I wouldn't even challenge that. Like, wouldn't even think about challenging that. I mean, well planted question on Stephen Colbert's show, right? Like, yeah. Come who on. cares, right? Come like, on. you're watching late night television, and you want, you know, oh. No, you guys really, you know, you're having you, to big oil. Boy, this is the worst administration ever, yada, 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 right? No, this certainly helps them, right, without a doubt. Of so. course, of course. There is no shortage. I mean, Greta Greta is a fixture of PR, right? Uh, her,
1: yeah. Her uh,
2: her parents, God bless them, I guess, because uh, we, we, we wish well, well for everybody. Basically – through her thrust her out there to, 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 uh, advance their, their agenda. So go on now. All right. Um, I have one announcement and, and I want to, uh, uh, and he may or may not be listening anymore. Uh, I don't, I couldn't tell if he was joking or, uh, if he was genuinely upset or maybe a little bit of both, but in the previous episode of the unregulated podcast, I briefly mentioned the Vogel project the nuclear plant that has uh is near near uh um, completion in our discussion about the train wreck that is the california high-speed rail project and i just want to clarify that i in no way meant to equate the two projects i'm i'm to- i totally see the value of nuclear it's a proven winner it is a emission-free very very powerful source of electricity generation uh, so I, I get the value of, of Vogel. I was merely trying to point out that the proponents of the Green New Deal want all this carbon-free stuff, and you know, look at the look at the cost runs on some of uh, of these things. So, not not equating high-speed rail from Merced to, to where's it going to Baker <laughs> with Vogel with nuclear power not in the least bit so i just wanted to get that out there so those are my announcements or that's my announcement okay all right this day in history i've got uh a three and a kicker hmm.
1: okay give me the you give me the year on one of the. give me the year on the first of the three this
2: was this is most you're not going to guess any of these so okay it's, go ahead they're not like They're not, like, historically significant. Like, I know the things that you know about. Uh, This was 1958. On this day in 1958.
1: In 1958, on this day, Don Drysdale reported to spring training in Arizona.
2: No, no. This was the day that uh, the king of rock and roll was inducted into the U.S. Army. Oh, sure. Yeah. Okay. So he had his very... um he had his very high profile uh stint uh in the u.s army where he was stationed in germany of course his life did change significantly because he met um what's her name he met priscilla B- while she was there who became his wife who recently passed away as well so
1: did she really yeah i yeah. missed that
2: sorry wait was it her or lisa marie lisa marie died lisa marie. lisa marie died the daughter died all right. This was in 1989. This was you might actually remember this March en- It was a pretty big deal in M- the energy world. March
1: 24th in 1989. Yes, Can I tell sir? you
2: exactly what it was. That's the Valdez. Bingo. This was the Exxon Valdez crash um, in Alaska. It was uh, one of the world's one of the worst spills in history. Uh, the super tanker Exxon Valdez ran aground in Prince William Sound in southern Alaska. An estimated 11 million gallons of oil spilled into the water. Uh, pretty big, high-profile deal, and of course, the captain uh, <laughs> Joseph Hazelwood had a couple pops. Um, uh, so you know there was a whole lot of uh, there was a whole lot of shrapnel from mm-hmm. that as well. Um, yes, pretty ask, significant ask, event.
1: Ask me how I know. How do you know? Because I started to work at the Department of United States Department of Energy on March 21st, uh, 1989.
2: Well, there you have it.
1: Basically, but, three days after I got there, the stuff started to go bad. So, Yeah,
2: and as uh, as a, a mutual friend of ours would say, had there been a, a slight change in wind and trajectory of, of a couple of things, then um, it wouldn't have been that big of a big deal. But the way that the weather patterns... Uh, uh, hit that area afterwards, it blew it all into the sound.
1: Actually, so. while we're, well, we're, you know, it still wasn't that big a deal. All right, while we're on this, I got to remind, I got to thank you for reminding me. I want to say happy birthday to my son who was born on March 23rd of oh, 1989. Okay. It was a very busy week for me.
2: Well, if we had recorded yesterday like we were supposed to, which is my fault, then we would have been uh, able to no, 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 that's fine, that's fine, that's fine. have him on this day in history. Anyway, go okay. Ahead. So I'm gonna skip the. I'm gonna skip this one. It's 2001. I'm gonna go on to 2015, and then go back to 2001. I only bring this one up because we had a really weird this week, this day in history a couple of weeks back, where we talked about that plane that disappeared. Right? Yeah. Oh, was this well, on was, this day in th- history this in this, 2015, this, this, was this this
1: jet thing, the pilot, the private thing that flew over the United States? This thing, no, damn it. I'm gonna keep asking, I'm gonna keep giving that as an answer. No, till I get it.
2: This on this day in 2015, a co pilot of a German airliner flew the plane into the French Alps. Oh, yeah, I remember this, killing himself and 149 people on board. I remember this. Yeah, and everybody thought it and was. What happened was the captain um, asked the co-pilot Andreas Lubitz to take over the controls, probably to use the bathroom, and then ten minutes later, rapid descent. The black box c- captured um, video of him saying, "Let me in, blah 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 pop, whatever, what have you." Turns out it was uh, something that this guy had planned to do, uh, se- severely depressed.
1: Yeah. Originally, I, Originally, everybody it, thought it was terrorism.
2: Yes, exactly.
1: But it exactly. turned out he just wanted to commit suicide. Why he had to take 150 other people with him, I have no idea.
2: I know. That's that. Well, two two wrongs. This, this
1: is your public service message for the day. If you're thinking about suicide, don't do it. And if you're going to do it, try your best to keep it to yourself. Don't drag okay, other people I've got. It.
2: I've got a great one, uh, 2001. 2001 on this day in 2001, uh, and you're not going to guess it, but yeah, uh, I had to throw I, this in there. Go ahead. This is the anniversary of the day that Randy Johnson murdered a bird. <laughs> <laughs> was that in spring training, really? Yes. Okay. It was in spring training, because there's no video cover. There's only video of it without any commentary, right? Yeah. So all you hear is the crowd going, what? You just see this loom of feathers, right? This
1: bird laying on the ground. For our listeners who have never seen this videotape, first off, go Google it, Randy Johnson and Bird. Um, What it is, Randy Johnson, big old left-hander, about 6'10", threw the ball 100 miles an hour. He let one go one day in spring training. I didn't know spring training. A spring training game, random chance of the universe, a white bird was flying in the path of the ball. The bird exploded, essentially.
2: He literally exploded. It, 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 we'll
1: put it in the show notes so it, it, you don't have to it, dig for it. And the thing is, I mean, it's not like the worst thing that ever happened. But Randy Johnson never had a sense of humor about it. He he always hated, no. he'd hated being asked
2: about it. No, but but, like all people, he mellowed with age. Listen to this. No, he finally okay? came he probably around. Probably don't know this. Yeah. Randy Johnson, you know what he does now? You know what he did at least up until uh, late 2022, and probably still does. Yeah, I mean, if any there's any humor in the world, he'd be. A- He's an he is a he is a, a profession like somewhat professional photographer who does. He studied photojournalism, and he does sidelines, uh, photo shoots for for NFL games and things like that. He named his company. Exploding birds. No, he named it the, he named his company, Randy Johnson Photography, Mike. Sure. And the image is of an upside down bird (laughs) with X's for for an eyeball and feathers flying around above it.
1: (laughs) There you go. I'm glad he finally got a sense of humor about it. I mean, I'm sorry for the bird.
2: Like I said, we all mellow with age, apparently. So he was able to finally laugh at himself for the situation. So that is this day in history, March 24th. All right, I've got – I don't have that many many, – I don't have that much for topics today. Uh, So I I will kick it over to you first, uh, and then um, I'll throw out a couple of that I have, and then we can wrap this baby up.
1: Fair. Um, HR1 is supposed to be on the floor here next week. Do not be surprised um, if – it doesn't happen that way. There are multiple state delegations who want to guarantee that they're not going to ever have any offshore energy production at all, either from oil and gas or from wind. Um, you can guess which states I'm talking about. I'm not sure how that gets finessed. I think it's just going to be an affirmative statement in the legislation that says nothing herein. But um, but it's a mess, and it shows that um, – it shows – and I think this is what the revolutionaries had in mind when they made this thing go to, you know, structured rule. Um, it shows that not all the questionable human beings are on the Democratic side. The Republicans yeah. have plenty of questionable human beings.
2: Anyway. Well, that, it, it, that, what happened towards the end of the Trump administration, too, where he, he just started. That's right. Kicking off North and South Carolina and then the Georgia guys got in on it. And, that's right. You know, you
1: know, as I've said before, well, I don't want to say it here, but um, long story short is uh, that news is hot and fresh off the presses. So you kids will probably be the first ones to know about it if you listen to this year's show, Graham. My guess is the regular old media won't get to it until Tuesday or Wednesday. They're a little bit slow on the draw. So that's that. That's sort of thing one on my on my mind. You you want a second one? You you want to go to yours now? No, go ahead. Um, second thing is Goldman Sachs came out today and said, "Hey, we think we've done an assessment of the tax credits."
2: Oh, you stole my—you uh, stole one of mine. Let's go. Let's get into it.
1: Okay, tax credits embedded in the Inflation Reduction Act. We think it's going to be about four times—four to- x four times the score, right? It's going to instead of yeah, being.
2: Can I read from? Can I read from Bloomberg? Sure, go ahead. Goldman sees Biden's clean energy law costing U.S. 1.2 trillion dollars three times more than the government official government forecast. Now Goldman's take on it is, is that the $1.2 trillion investment in government outlays will unleash another 3 trillion in investment by businesses and individuals to build and expand climate friendly ventures.
1: Yeah. The, um, that's not going to happen, right? It, it, for for two reasons. You're right? so cynical. Well, I mean, it's not going to. We're not going to spend 1.2 trillion dollars on a bill that was scored at 366, and it's actually four x, right, four times, because because you know, 60 billion of that is not tax credit stuff; it's other stuff. So the tax credit portion is about 300 billion. Um, we're not going to do that. Treasury's not going to allow that. They're going to start. They're going to start apportioning credits and whatnot. But you know, we might we might spend six hundred billion, but we're not going to spend one point two over ten years. The other reason why we're not going to do that is because at some point it becomes a really big pay for for something else that somebody else wants. You know, hey, you guys, you guys, you think about it. You know, we're we're three years into the bill. Three yeah, years it's into it's
2: legislation, all, it's all paper. It's a ten-year budget.
1: That's right? right. But you know, we're three years into it, and they've already spent like two hundred seventy-five billion. Somebody's going to say, "Hey, you know what? We're coming in and taking everything else because you guys have already got the three hundred billion we 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 anticipated you'd get, we expected you to get, we wanted you to get. Now we're going to take all that away from you. So, so there's 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 reasons. Bureaucratic, right? The bureaucracy at Treasury tries to protect the fisc as best they can, and there's reasons congressional, but there's no way it happens. You know, Goldman. I'm kind of surprised at Goldman. Usually, they're better at this kind of thing. They're they're they have a better sense of what actually is going to happen. Yeah, but but it's a big
2: number. No, that's it's a big they're, number. They're, just sorry, uh, just you got to remember they're a big beneficiary of all of this, right? Yeah, man. I mean, they're, they're part of the crew that's been pushing for all this because they want to push the push the paper around right well
1: there there were profiteers right you know people are buying and selling guns and and bombs and they're financing it and taking a piece of the action it's um yeah I get it I get it but you know usually you expect better than propaganda from an outfit like Goldman that's all I'm saying
2: yeah well speaking of propaganda I have my other uh my other um topic and uh I'm going to start out with an article and then Shift over to a uh, an Edboard commentary. Ford says this is from Wall Street Journal. It will lose three billion dollars on EVs this year, as it touts quote startup mentality. Company's estimate shows how far traditional automakers have to go to make EVs portfolios profitable. Okay, GM has said it expects operating profit margins uh, of its EVs, EVs to be in the low. To single to mid single digit range on a percentage basis in 2025. Ford said the contribution, uh, I, I brought the GM one to say they're not, Ford's not alone. Ford said the contribution margins of its EVs, representing revenue minus variable costs, are expected to approach break even by year's end, even as it invests heavily to build out new factories in its EV lineup. Uh, well, a Wells Fargo automotive. An- analyst said the outlook was worse than the firm's forecast of six thousand per vehicle on a variable cost basis he added that it was unclear how ford would achieve his eight percent margin target for the e division by 2026. yeah so startup it's just a startup mike
1: yeah i kind of worry about this i, I you know I, I saw some of that press i was I'm waiting to see what we actually get out of ford i'm kind of concerned about this you know, the more money you lose on things, most normal people eventually cut their losses. Um, these guys are are de facto monopoly. I could easily see a world in which they're just like, "Hey, we're gonna we're gonna keep selling electric vehicles, and we're gonna charge people like ninety thousand bucks, and that's how we're gonna ration." By the way, to get back to the UC Davis thing we talked about last week,
2: of course,
1: that's how we're gonna ration it. We're gonna ration it on the basis of price. Um, you know, ten years from now. You know, Ford's like selling these things at ninety-five thousand bucks per, and making a bunch of money off it, right? And they can t- they can say, well, we took a bunch of losses in the beginning. I- I'm I'm I suspect there's a bunch of propaganda going on here. I'm just not sure how and in what direction.
2: Yeah. So, uh, Wall Street Journal took the time to comment on their ed- editorial board this yesterday. Yeah. And. Ford attributes a loss to the growing pains of a startup business. The automaker, this is key, yeah. said it still expects to earn between $9 billion and $11 billion in operating profit this year, though that's owing to the sales of its traditional gas-powered vehicles.
1: Yeah, the Ford 150. The F-150 carries that company.
2: Ford can sustain, and here's another line I wanted to read, Ford can sustain losses on EVs in part because it is benefiting directly or indirectly from subsidies up and down the EV supply production, and service chain, batteries, sales, consumers, charging stations. The entire point of last year's IRA is to make EV production too big to fail. Customers don't want to buy EVs for whatever reason. The government will keep subsidizing or mandating EVs until they do. This goes back to the banking stuff. Yeah. Right? Companies are making decisions because they either are getting uh, the full faith and credit of the government subsidize them and or they know the government is going to come in and bail them out and we're the ones who keep losing on the uh getting the short end of the stick as you pointed out it's depositors who were getting you know uh the bailout so to speak as as you pointed out uh we are paying way more for the vehicles that people actually want to buy in order to to stem the losses of the vehicles that the government wants us to drive that we don't want to buy.
1: Yeah, I, I would think two things. I would think it would be very helpful if a congressman asked Ford in open hearing, what's the cross-subsidization between your F-150s and your electric vehicle fleet, right? How, how do you guys work that internally, you know, or do you just like, you know, you mark up the 150 because you can, And you mark up the EV to the extent you can. So figure out some way to get inside the cost internals of Ford and GM. I think that would be a very interesting journey. And then the other thing, of course, is – and we're back on transition now, right? Um, It's something you want to put on the list for transition. Uh, The Wall Street Journal is right about the the verticality of the the, um, subsidization um, by government. We need to reel that back in especially oh, yeah. especially if Goldman is right and it's really going to it's really going to be four times what we thought it was going to be. Right. Which by the I, way, which which by, have, sir? which by the way, I don't want to be that guy and say this, but if it is four times what it was supposed to be, again, stop me if you heard me make this argument before, that is an argument for regular order and not just to let one dimwitted senator read something and go, oh, "Okay, I understand. Regular yeah, order.
2: Well, I mean, there's a whole host of reasons for regular order, including this is one of them. Though ridiculousness of running our entire government this on one. ten-year budgets that are just basically like paper, you know? Yeah, uh, they're, they're fantasy accounting exercises. No, they're right?
1: fantasy, but but you get my point. I mean, if they really did write them so poorly that they can be they can be um, leveraged, as the young people like to say. Um, it's a mistake. Anyway, what else do I got? I got one other thing, and I'll be brief with it. I'm probably going to write some about it. Um, it is about Trump and the indictment up in uh, Manhattan. How to say this the right way? Um, it is the latest, but without a doubt, the most pointed demonstration of the fact that the Trump machine and the Democrats who are hunting the Trump machine are, in fact, codependent. Um, you know, Trump basically pointed – put the focus on Alvin Bragg up there by saying, hey, they're going to indict me. Everybody needs to rally around me. Um, like why? I don't understand it. If you didn't commit the crime, why are you worried about it? I'm a former president. Former presidents don't have – treated any different in this country than anybody else. I'm a current candidate. All right. Well, you can unbe a current candidate. My point is this. Um, Trump used Bragg to – essentially dominate the news for two days and make all, all of his – everybody in the Republican world, even his rivals for the nomination, get up and say how terrible it was. That's great for Trump. And truthfully, it's great for Alvin Bragg because Alvin Bragg is going to be a hero of the left, right? And that's the problem we have. Um, as long as these two wings of American politics are locked in this codependent relationship, the rest of us are just hostages along for the ride. At some point, you just got to say that's enough. I have no idea when anyone's going to do that. I really don't. But until you do, until everybody does, this thing's going to go on. We're going to have like show after show after show of this because – and this is the part that's going to get me in trouble. Russiagate, the impeachments, this thing, Jack Smith, the general counsel – the uh, special counsel of justice for January 6th. They work for Trump's benefit. They all work for Trump's benefit in the end. And they work for the Democrats' benefit too. They raise money off it. They raise profile off it. They get Twitter followers. And meanwhile, the rest of us are left sitting yes. here thinking about gas stoves. Two, Sorry. Two, two
2: things. Uh, two things. I I, I get I, – I see that. I get that. Uh, go back to all the way to the very beginning of Trump, Inc. Trump – no, no news about Trump is bad news. Yeah. I, I, That's his whole MO. Everything about Trump is, it doesn't matter what the news is. I need to be on page six. Yeah. I, right. And I don't, bl- I don't blame him at all. Any better and better. You know, just, this is just a function of, of that. Yeah. You know, with a bigger stage. Um, the other thing is, is going back to one of our old podcasts. This has to play out. It has to end at some point. Because um, he's not going to be a perpetual candidate for president. It, it, right? it, it could end with his death. I mean, he guy could live 15 more years. Yeah, potentially, could... but my point is, is that you know, Republican voters in a primary you make a decision about him one way or the other. Uh, if it gets to that this cycle, maybe it won't. Maybe it'll get to it next cycle. The point being is, is that you're absolutely right. This cycle of dependency exists. It helps perpetuate both Trump. And the Democrats, yeah, it, it it's, it's um... it allows the Democrats to not talk about the financial yeah sure and, sure and it allows them not to talk about the you know the the stuff that that people don't like about we, what's going we,
1: on. We, we got right? bank failures going on in this country, and we're sitting around talking about whether some right. whether some dudes going to get indicted. I'm like, dude, people get indicted
2: all the time. Well, one thing I would like, to, uh, I'm going to wrap this up because this is very important. Yeah. Yet. Yeah. One thing I would like to thank uh, President Trump for is for ending the scourge of gun-toting domestic political advisors.
0: Like the most significant gun safety law in 30 years. Help keep guns out of the Help keep
2: guns out of the hands domestic political advisors. <laughs> so, all you political advisors out there who are strapped up, Hand loaded up. for bear on your seat Axelrod. we're coming for you
1: hand over yeah. your guns <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> ladies and gentlemen that wraps up the week and that wraps up episode number 125 of the unregulated podcast i hope you enjoy this while you're barbecuing or doing whatever you're doing this weekend that's a wrap I understand <laughs>